Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, I got a, I got a favor to ask of you. And it, it goes like this. Do you, do you have somebody that you know that uh, doesn't listen to teaching, learning, leading K-12? Hmm? You know, someone you could say, hey, you should listen to teaching, learning, leading K-12. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it could be a family member. It could be a good friend. It could be a colleague. You know, just uh, anybody that you know that listens to podcasts that uh, you could make them into a new subscriber for us. Well, I'd love it if you took a chance and uh, reached out to someone and said, hey. You ought to listen to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. Get them to subscribe. Thanks. You're awesome. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. Hey, I've got great news. Did you know that Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is now on Amazon Music? Hmm, that's right. (laughs) So cool. So now, you know, that smart speaker you got sitting in your room, you know, her her name begins with an A. Yeah, I don't want to say her name because she's listening, but uh, you can say to her, Could you play the most recent episode of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 podcast in Amazon Music? And she'll pull it up. Too cool. (laughs) Check us out on all the platforms that you listen to. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Dr. Michael C. Grayson. And he's the author of the book, How to Stop Making Payments. How to Legally Defer All of Your Creditor Payments, Including Rent and Mortgages, for 3 to 12 Months and Save Your Credit. Join us as we talk about credit scores, credit cards, and why credit is important during a pandemic. Thanks for listening. Lots to learn today. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Dr. Michael C. Grayson has a proven track record of over 20 years for helping businesses receive funding. He currently holds all three credit industry records, including the world's highest credit score, and he is the author of the book, How to Stop Making Payments. Today we're going to talk about what is the true second wave of coronavirus, a destroyed credit rating leading to financial ruin. We're hearing a lot of talk about a second wave of the coronavirus, but this expert says it's not going to be one of thousands more people dying of COVID-19. Rather, it's a wave of millions of people poised to see their credit ratings plummet and their financial health destroyed. Helping fight the ability of millions of Americans to save their credit is Dr. Michael C. Grayson, who in 2014 made the cover of REI Wealth Magazine as their editors voted him the world's leading credit expert. As the papers predict record for closures, evictions, and defaults, what can be done to stop this from becoming the second Great Depression? Dr. Grayson explains that there is hope and he is on the front lines behind the cameras fighting to eliminate socioeconomic injustice. Dr. Grayson has successfully sued creditors and the credit bureaus to hold them accountable. Currently, he is involved in the largest pro C litigation in history. Dr. Grayson is suing Equifax for malicious reporting, fraud, and discriminatory practices. Dr. Grayson, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Pleasure is all mine. Hello, everyone. Well, I'm glad you're here. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do is, uh, can we start by talking about, you know, before we get into to credit and all this stuff, let's talk about what a credit score is. And, uh, okay. and if you could talk about what impacts it positively and negatively. Excellent. So in, in 2000, 
this country and the rest of, of the industrialized world switch from the old credit system to the new FICO credit scoring system. So at that point, it went from being a merit-based system to a score-based system. So in the old credit system, if you said, hey, I pay my bills on time, you could confidently say, I have good credit. But the, the, the credit scoring system radically changed all that. It changed the way you score your credit, the way you access uh, capital to eliminate debt. So now you have to know that the credit score has five components. And the thing that you have to focus on is not just your most people, when they have problems, they go to a credit repair place, and those guys are saying, hey, we can clean this off your credit, we can clean, we can do this, dispute that. But ultimately, your payment history is only 40, I'm sorry, 35% of the overall score. So if you remember from grade school, a 35% is an F or a D. Yeah. So by focusing solely on your payment history, you're doing yourself a disservice. You know, the reason we have all three credit industry records is because I wrote an algorithm that tells me how the scoring model behaves. So we affect positive change against all five categories. So the number one category is actually your credit So that is 44. So really, after you clean your payment history, or if you're paying your bills on time, then the second category you should be focused on is your uh, utilization. So I'm going to give all you guys out there who are, are listening to the program the recipe to know how to help yourself with your credit. So if you're in the 500s, you have a derogatory credit problem. So if you're talking to your friends after the show, say, hey, how's your credit score? If they tell you they're in the 500s, then you know they have a derogatory credit problem. So therefore, they should be looking to fix their or repair their credit. So they need some type of credit restoration, uh, which we'll talk more about later. If you're in the 600s, you have a utilization problem. There is something wrong with your credit cards. You have too many. You have too few. Your balances are too high. There is a problem with your credit cards. If you have a score in the 700s, you have a mix of credit problems. So the credit scoring algorithm is looking for your, there's two kinds of credits looking for. It's looking for installment versus revolving. You should, depending on the type of score you're trying to get, for instance, most of my clients want 800 credit scores. So we know that in order to get an 800 credit score, you need three times as many installment activities as you do revolving. For most people, it's the opposite. So you might have pay all your bills on time, but you still have a, a score in the 600s, which is very weak. So part of that may be, you know, definitely if you're just in the 700s, you're trying to get to the 800s. Now, a lot of people are content in the 700s, and that is not a bad score, but my clients are looking to access capital. So once you like, for instance, one of my clients called me a couple, last week. Uh, he had a score at 740. He applied for a line of credit for his business. Now the bank told him, I thought this was very funny. The bank said, well, we're going to turn you down. Uh, you only have a 740 credit score. Now that sounds kind of funny. You only have a 740 when a lot of people 
and will probably kill themselves to get to 740. So he called me right away. He said, Doc, I need to take that to 800. So certain lines of credit, you, you know you have to be at 800 or higher. So if you have a 700 score, you have a mix of credit problems. But our goal for everybody is to be in the 800s. So our, our tagline is keep it 800. So that's what I want all your listeners to tell all their friends and relatives. Keep it 800. I like that. Keep it 800. We'll have to keep it 800. Keep it you know, we're not keeping it real. We're keeping it 800. I love that. So one of the things, and you touched on this just a second ago, where, where you're talking about uh, some of the problems that might exist. I mean, one of the things that happens, especially, you know, in my world in, in education, you know, teachers start their new career and so forth, and uh, they start putting a lot of things on credit cards. Um, yes. And they might hear a two-sided story, which is a credit card hurts and a credit card helps. And I heard you kind of touch base with this. You know, how, how can they make sure that, that credit card's helping them? Well, you have to have credit cards in order to have a good credit score. So like I, I, when I do workshops or before the virus, when we did a lot of big workshops, the first thing I would do is have everybody go in there and show me two credit cards. If you don't have two credit cards in your pocket, so you're listening to this program, you can't reach in your wallet and show me two credit cards, I already know you have bad credit. I don't care how many cars you've owned, how many houses, it doesn't matter. The model forces you to have a minimum of two credit cards. So you have to have them, but the trick is you have to use them the right way. So you can never exceed 30% of the limit. So when a bank issues you a credit card, they don't tell you that your credit card has two limits. It has the maximum limit and you have the true limit. So the true limit is 30% of the max limit. So if I have a $1,000 limit on my credit card, that is really only a $300 credit card. That is not a $1,000 credit card, it's a $300 credit card. Because as soon as I exceed 300, it starts to destroy my credit score. So as soon as you max out that credit card, you just cost yourself 60 or 70 points. So that is not a $1,000 credit card. So the reason that they're only telling you max limit and not true limit is because they want you to exceed the true limit because as you're, you're, you exceed the limit, your credit score goes down, which means your interest rate goes up. So keep in mind, every credit card company in the country offers a zero interest credit card. So with the zero interest credit cards, um, they start you out with the starter rate, but as soon as the, 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 the rate period's over, your score jumps up. But as your score goes down, it keeps jumping. So now you're in a situation where the average American is paying 24% interest in a world that has zero interest credit cards. Why the heck are you paying 24 or 18% interest when you should only carry zero? So all of my clients, we have one target goal. So all my clients, carry at least a hundred grand in credit cards in their pocket at 0% interest. So when you can access a hundred grand for no interest, you are now excelling in this credit system. If you can't do that, I don't, don't tell me you got good credit. That is meaningless. People say, oh, I got good credit. If you're not using it or turn it into cash, it is meaningless to say you have good credit. If you say, doc, 
I got $100,000 worth of buying power in my pocket at zero interest. Now, we're, me and you are on the same page. Gotcha. Thanks for explaining that. It, you know, because you hear a lot about that. And just like you just said, you'll hear people say, I, I do good. You know, I, my, <laughs> right. by the way, my favorite statement is, you know, I, I, I pay the, I pay the minimum monthly balance yeah. and I, I do good. You know, it's yeah. like, so. yeah, I'm never late. I always pay the minimum. Yeah, <laughs> right. no. exactly. You're a victim of the system. You're not thriving. Yes. <laughs> Those exact words, by the way. So, so, so let's use this to kind of segue into where we're going, which you know, we're in this pandemic. We got all this stuff going on. Businesses had to close. We have states that are opening. And, uh, and you know, why is credit so important during this pandemic? There's nothing more important. So the, the provision that is designed to, to help you make it through COVID-19 is called the CARES Act. So the CARES Act is there for consumers, for Americans to help them survive. But most people have focused on the stimulus payment part of that, and they have not focused on the true designation of this act. The reason the act was enacted was so that it can preserve your credit rating. That is the most important thing to Congress. It should be the most important thing to you, because I don't care how much stimulus money you got, if you got 1,200, 1,600, 5,000, all of that is meaningless. Give me perfect credit over that any day. Because if I have a 720 credit score, I know that I can access up to a quarter million dollars at any time. And that's the world that I want to live in. And that's the world we want your listeners to, 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 live, in, to live in. So the CARES Act gave you credit protection. So the, the money that they're giving you is a Band-Aid. It cannot support you. It cannot take the place of you losing your job. That does not happen. That world is not our world. It is designed to put you in a position to preserve your credit. So it really does that three ways. So it starts with the initial payment, but then secondly, it gives you creditor deferment. So every creditor in the country was encouraged to offer you some type of what they call hardship program. So every single creditor, whether it's your rent, your car note, your credit cards, everybody has it. The problem is they could not come up with a blanket request, so they left it up to the creditors. So you have to request the hardship program for each creditor. Now, the caveat is if you don't request the hardship program, they won't offer it to you. So some creditors are very good. Like I have Geico insurance. Now all of my bills are always on auto pay. Geico actually emailed me and said, Hey, we see you're on auto pay. King, would you like to take advantage of the creditor deferment program? Same thing with us bank. My car loan is through us bank. Us bank said, Hey, would you like to forego the auto pay and take a 90 day deferment? So they were very good, but the bulk of creditors are not offering you that. In fact, it, 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 it breaks my heart every day when, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, everybody is positioning themselves for record numbers of evictions, foreclosures, and defaults, when realistically, the CARES Act is there to wipe that out. Nobody in this country should be evicted. Nobody should be getting foreclosed on. Nobody should be going bankrupt. There's no reason to do that. 
what you should be doing, which again, and I apologize for the industry, the industry is not teaching you this. They're not telling you this. Nobody's having this conversation, which is why I applaud you for bringing me into your format to make sure your listeners understand you have to defer all your payments. You know, it's all you have to do is call and ask to be included. There's no qualifications. Just ask to be, first ask them what their parameters are, and then you ask to be included. Now, if you're unsure, you know, about this process, you could go on Amazon right now. My book is called How to Stop Making Payments because a lot of people have stopped making payments, but they're doing it the wrong way. So in the book, you got all the forms you need. Send that to every creditor. You know, some of my clients made the mistake and I had to correct them. They said, well, you know, I, I, I deferred my mortgage payment or I deferred my credit card payment. And I would ask them, why did you only, you got 12 credit cards or you got 12 different creditors. Why didn't you defer them all? And, and their response is always, well, I had a little money. You know, I wanted to, no, that is not what the provision is there for. The provision prior to this, let's go back to 2017, Pew Research. So if you go online, Pew Research did a study and they found that 60% of Americans could not put their hands on 500 bucks in the case of a financial emergency. So that was in 2017. Now we're 2020. We're in the mother of all financial emergencies. So Congress understands that you don't have any money. You can't even access any money. So the CARES Act allows you to defer your payments for three to 12 months so that you can build up a nest egg. So the goal is defer all your payments. Now you can reassess your bill structure. You can, you know, again, we're not running to Amazon or what Walmart said, they were selling out of big screen TVs after that first stimulus check. That is not what we're talking about. You save your money, you build up a nest egg, now you have discretionary income. Now I can track my payments. Now I can pay at the right rate. I can pay a reduced payment, maintain those payments, but I have money in the bank in case COVID turns very ugly or heaven forbid I catch COVID. So the first step, we're going to defer all the payments. Now, again, let's go back. So I had a client came to see me a couple days ago. I looked at his credit and like clockwork, Almost every, he had about 12 credit cards. Every one of them was late over the last three or four months. Just one payment here, one payment there. And he's like, Doc, you know, you know, my score, we had got him to 800 last year. He's like, my, his score was in the 400s. Wow. From beautiful 800 to 400. He's like, how are we going to do it? What are we going to do? I said, well, the first thing we're going to do is put you into the CARES Act hardship deferment program. And he said, well, I don't really need that. Maybe I could keep struggling making payments. I said, no, the idea is to build a nest egg. But even more importantly, once you're enrolled in the hardship program, the law says that you can retroactively go back to January 1 and clean the late payments off your credit. Think how beautiful that is. I mean, they've done their job. They've thought of everything. They gave you a provision to repair your credit. So you don't have to hassle with the creditors or, or pay some crazy credit repair companies to do nothing. The CARES Act already gave you a provision provided you're using it the right way. So that is, should be your focus. 
I need perfect credit because once I come out of this, you know, like I know, the government's primary focus is rebuilding the economy. So they're going to be telling banks, look, we gave you all this money during COVID, all this PPP money. Now we need you to lend it back out, lend it to folks, lend it to small businesses, lend it to investors, lend it to real estate, lend it so people can buy cars. But check this out. This is going to be the caveat. You're, they're only going to lend to people with good credit. And now they're saying they're going to increase the uh, credit criteria and you're, they're going to want to see perfect credit. So your job is to make sure when you come out of COVID, you have perfect credit. Uh, I had a client the other day, he has a huge debt. You know, he, he, he had borrowed a couple hundred thousand uh, for his, he's a doctor for his medical practice. And he was like, man, you know, I'm going crazy trying to figure out what to do. I said, why? I said, actually, COVID has worked to your advantage because now this creditor, when we call them, they have a hardship program and they said, listen, we're willing to settle you. They are so panicked and desperate for payments, they will settle for, in his case, for 20 cents on the dollar. So imagine, so he bought that, used that money and buy this equipment he legitimately needed for his practice, but now he's in a position where he can reduce it 80%. So my statement to my clients is, if you can't get out of debt and get perfect credit this year, you might never be able to do it because now it's extra easy. Call your creditors and say, hey, look, you know, I know I'll owe you $10, will you take $2? and wait, wait, wait and see their response. They're so scared that this thing might last two or three years, they will take anything and that will, again, take you out of debt. And don't feel bad for the creditors because the government, your Uncle Sam, is taking care of them. He's got provisions for them. So this is your opportunity to get out of debt and have perfect credit before the year's out. That's your gift to yourself. I appreciate you explaining that because it's, 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 it's interesting because you know, we don't really have conversations about this and, yes. uh, until you're in trouble, <laughs> <laughs> right? in which case it's like, okay, now how do I get out of it? And, you know, and, you know, one of the things that uh, you, you've talked about, and I've read that you have this concern that even though the CARES Act is there to help preserve credit rating, that one of the problems is, though, is that you do have some concern that the credit bureaus and the creditors might not comply. Right. Why do you think well, so? The credit bureaus, you have to understand their business model. They sell credit information. So you need to understand that information is only valuable like everything else as long as it's rare. It's like diamonds. You know, diamonds is really a very plentiful mineral in nature. But what De Beers does better than anybody else, they mine tons and tons of diamonds and they put them in a storage. They take them out of circulation remaining diamonds are very valuable. Same thing with the credit bureaus. The fewer people with perfect credit, the more valuable that information is. If everybody had good or perfect credit, creditors wouldn't pay to see your credit report. They would just assume that you have good credit and they would extend your credit. So they are very resistant to credit correction. They're very extremely resistant. And so that is why, you know, the FTC and Consumer Finance Protection Bureau are always suing these guys, you know, Equifax, all these guys have had big lawsuits, 
you know, and for me personally, I consistently sue these guys. So if you Google me right now, you'll see I just recently settled with two of the credit bureaus. But, you know, Equifax is very tough. You know, they are the worst of the worst, but I'm suing them. And, you know, to date, if you look at the motion practice, you'll see that they have fired their first two attorneys. Now, keep in mind, I'm a pro se litigant. So I have no attorney and I have no legal background. I didn't go to law school, but they have hired three of the top 100 law firms in the country and they still can't beat me. Again, I use the law to help our clients fix your credit. The law is there to help you fix your credit and you can't not fix my credit as long as I'm using the law. We, we're not a credit repair company. So in credit repair, they're actually committing fraud on your behalf. So they contact the credit bureaus and said, hey, this is not my account. You know, that is your account. You didn't pay that serious card. The reason that we are going in and saying, hey, you know, this shouldn't be on the credit is because there are laws or provisions. So maybe it's outside of statute of limitation. So we find a legal recourse. So legally we can say, yeah, I ain't pay that bill. You know, something happened. Something always happens. I couldn't pay it. But in spite of that fact, the government gives me an opportunity to remove that from my credit because it fits one of these other parameters. So the credit bureaus will occasionally fight you. So that's why I'm always there to hit them in the head and say, hey, you know, follow the law. You're not above the law. You know, some of these big corporations, they think they're above the law and you need somebody in the trenches, you know, just fighting the good fight, the David and Goliath scenario. And that's why, you know, I resisted even retaining an attorney to fight these guys because I want people to see that you can fight the credit bureaus and win. They've hired their third top 100 law firm, the third one. Imagine firing two law firms and I don't even have a lawyer. That's awesome. So that, but that's what we want to communicate to the people. You know, you, you, can, you can beat these guys. The reason that they are constantly ignoring the law and doing, you know, what I call malicious reporting is because you don't hold them accountable. You're scared of them because they're big. They're Goliaths. You know, you, for those of you who read the Bible, you see they described Goliath. Not only was he big, he had all this shiny armor, big old weapon, and you're just a little Israelite, so you're scared. And so the same thing with the credit bureaus. Most people would not consider suing a credit bureau. They wouldn't even consider it because how am I going to win? They're going to hire a top 100 law firm and just blow me out of the water. But so, you know, I want to encourage folks, and, you know, we are trying to hold them in check, but part of it is we need more consumer uh, support you know, in these endeavors. And that comes through education and programs like yours, where you're really doing a, an excellent job of bringing the consumers up to speed. Very cool. Can you, can you explain a little bit about what malicious reporting is? Okay, so beautiful. So normally in traditional credit repair litigation, so it's called non-compliance. So if you dispute an item that legitimately is not yours or shouldn't be there, and you've given them the right reasons, you didn't say it's not my account, you didn't commit fraud, 
you gave them the correct reason and they still did not remove it, that is called non-compliance. So the law says in cases of non-compliance, you can recoup up to $1,000 per incidence. But now in those cases, usually they're settled out of court for a few dollars. And in those cases, the credit bureau will say, hey, we made a mistake or was it was an accident or, you know, they have 101 excuses. But in the case of malicious reporting, that is a completely different statute. So in my case against Equifax, I'm suing them for $250 million for malicious reporting. So I'm gonna hit them in the head hard enough so that they will think twice about committing malicious reporting against other consumers. So malicious reporting means you knew that this was wrong and you reported it anyway. So if I can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is not an accident uh, inadvertence or mistake. So if it falls in a category of accidents, inadvertence or mistake, they can say, oh, it's just non-compliance, here's a thousand bucks. But once you exceed that mandate and I can prove that you had, you were, co you were cognitively aware that this was wrongful information and what made it even more malicious is when you not only report it to the credit report, but when you then share that information with someone else. So if you have wrong information that I've, you know, apprised you of that and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that information is wrong, and then you share that information with my creditors, that is malicious reporting. So it goes beyond defamation of character because my credit report is my character. So if you tell my creditor that I'm a 500 credit score person, when I'm an 800 credit score person, that's fraud. It's just like if I went to a bank and said, hey, I got 800 credit score when I really only had 500, you would say that is fraud. He's committing fraud. But conversely, it works the same way with credit bureaus. Don't lie about me. If I'm a 500 credit score person, then I'm a 500 credit score person. But if I'm an 800 credit score person and you're telling all my creditors and my potential clients that I'm a 500 credit score person, that's defamation, that's fraud and it's malicious reporting. Excellent, thank you for explaining that because I, I guarantee you that many of us <laughs> have no clue about any of that <laughs> right. whatsoever. And, uh, and I thank you. So, you know, one of the things that I started off when, when we started off this interview is I, I read this, uh, this title and this introduction where we talked about th that the true second wave of the virus is a destroyed credit rating yes. and the possibility of financial ruin. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Well, you know, everybody, and rightfully so, is focusing on the loss of life, you know, the death associated with coronavirus, you know, and fortunately, you know, that number is seemingly capped. But in addition to that, so we already understand that completely. We know that the, this is the rate of infection. This is the percentage of those people that are going to die. That we can calculate. We have vaccines in the work. So we we understand that process and that problem. But what is not getting equal treatment or equal coverage or people don't have an equal understanding is the other terrible side effect of the virus. And that is destroying your financial health. So we know it destroys your physical health, but what is it doing to your finances? And because people don't 
really understand credit or they're not comfortable with credit. Even I, you know, a couple of years ago, I was invited to speak before Congress on access to capital. So, you know, again, I was telling them part of the problem is most congressmen are not well versed in the area of credit. Even attorney, if you ask an attorney, how much time did you spend in law school studying debt and credit law? They'll tell you little or none. So most people who you would think would be experts on this subject know little or nothing about it. And so therefore they're not comfortable coaching you in this area. You know, if you go to the average attorney and you have a debt or credit problem, what, what are they gonna tell you? File bankruptcy, right? Bankruptcy becomes a one trick pony but bankruptcy destroys your credit even more. It doesn't improve your credit, it destroys your credit. So we have to um, understand and, and increase the conversation about how to put the bad credit in check because eventually coronavirus is going to end. There's gonna be a cure or a vaccine. So now you're healthy, we can take the mask off and go back in public but now you're broke with bad credit. So now you don't even have the money to fix your credit. You, don't, you can't reopen your business because you're broken bad credit. We cannot, as a people, we can't afford to have 20 or 30% of our small businesses closing permanently. Small business employs 67% of the workforce, 67%. So if we take them out, we're taking out a large percentage of the workforce permanently. We're destroying jobs at a scale that has never before been imagined. So imagine trying to rebuild the economy with millions of people permanently out of work. Then that even makes their credit even worse, which makes the economy even worse. I mean, it becomes a perpetual downhill cycle. It's just wild because you just you do see it happening, and the and especially if there's a limited understanding, you open up these businesses and whatever, and you're going to try and make it, and then this shut you down, and you don't have the ability to recover, and you already had limited understanding of the financial aspects of it. Uh, wow, and, it, and, and you you're right for small business. You know, one of the things I have to do with all my small businesses, the first thing I do, I review their business model, and I force them to build credit into their business model. Most people start businesses the wrong way. You know, everybody says, well, 90% of all small businesses fail for two years. But nobody says why. <laughs> the reason is because they start the wrong way. They start with capital. You should start with credit. Capital always runs out. Credit never runs out. So you force them to put credit to their business model. Now they can survive anything. Because sometimes if your business is really good, your business blows up and now you can't keep with inventory. You can't expand fast enough. You can't increase personnel fast enough and you still fold. Or it starts out really slow. You don't have enough money to be survivable, but both of those problems could have been cured with good credit. And so that, that, that explains a lot because it, it does make you wonder, because you're right. I've heard that. I, I mean, I, I work for others. I don't have a small business. I've always, <laughs> right. I've, always right, heard, right. I've always heard the same thing, though, which is that you know the idea that uh, you know it just uh, it just didn't work out, or uh, yeah. you know it just didn't have enough. Had to, all this capital, but you never hear anybody talking about credit. So you never, they never, 
They, they don't even teach it in business school, which is a problem. You know, credit, and I tell this to all my clients all the time, I don't care what business you're in, you're in the credit business, whether you know it or not. You're whether you're in real estate, you own a restaurant, you're still in the credit business because that is what's going to make everything else thrive. Gotcha. So, so can we use this as an opportunity to segue towards uh, your book? You mentioned it earlier, the book, How to Stop Making Payments, How to Legally Defer All Your Creditor Payments, Including Rent and Mortgages for 3 to 12 Months and Save Your Credit. Can you just give a little, a, a little, okay, so right episode? now, if you go on Amazon and, and I believe they discounted that book to make it more accessible to people who are affected by the coronavirus, I, I think it's down to like $3 on, as an ebook. You, this is your first ebook. They'll give it to you for, so the book explains again how to stop making payments. There are provisions in law that allow you to stop making payments provided you, you meet one caveat, and that caveat is you can't afford to pay. If you can afford to pay, you have to pay. You know, this is not a manual of how to strategically default and defraud your creditors. That is not the business I'm in, a perfect credit business. But fortunately, we live in a country that understands this. Most people forgot our forefathers came from debt-oppressive societies. So if you remember back in Europe, if you, oh, I was watching a program the other day and the guy was like, uh, he came up to this young man, he was like 10 years old. He said, you know, your father owed me a lot of money. Here you go, here's your list of debts. You now owe me those debts. And then if you don't pay me, you'll go to debtor's prison or we're gonna cut your hands off. That's the world that we came from. So our forefather said, hey, we're gonna make it so that you can get in and out of debt very quickly. And so that it, it's consistent with our capitalist, you know, philosophy. So they created our system such that if you cannot legitimately pay, you, there are provisions for that. So my book, How to Stop Making Payments, will tell you how in the event, especially with coronavirus, how you can stop making payments and preserve your credit rating at the same time. Everybody knows how to stop making payments and destroy their credit. So this book, you know, on Amazon right now tells you how to stop making payments and preserve your credit. Awesome. It, you know, it, it, we're getting close to closing here. It, would you like to share anything about Perfect Credit for uh, Life or CDMI? So Perfect Credit for Life. So you can go, we have two websites, Perfect Credit, the number four, life.com, or you can go to build850credit.com. So this is the first time in history that you have been able to get insurance on your credit. So right now, you can get insurance on your dog. There's insurance. You can insure your legs. You can insure your car. You can insure everything. But the single most important thing to your financial life is your credit. So I said, wait a minute. Why don't we offer insurance for your credit? So once you have signed up for perfect credit if your credit score ever goes down for any reason we will fix it for free. so you never have to file bankruptcy you don't need consumer credit you don't need none of that expenses and the beautiful thing is normally when you have a credit problem you used to have good people with really bad credit used to have really good credit but the problem is things in life happen and when they happen you don't have the money to resolve your debts 
or to pay to fix your credit. So that's why perfect credit protection is so important. So for 29 bucks a month, you never worry about it. If coronavirus blows you out the water, no matter what it is, you're in a car accident. That happened to me once and you, I was in the hospital for almost a year. Those kinds of things you can't forecast, no problem. You call us up, we will step in and resolve your debt and credit issues free of charge for the rest of your life. 29 bucks a month. That's awesome. And, and so the, Perfect the, credit for life. And so they'll be able to find that at the website. Yeah, go to our website right now. We'll be launching infomercials uh, by the end of next month. You'll be seeing it everywhere. But we want to, you know, we want to step in during this pandemic and give people hope. Right now, hope seems like it's lost. I mean, there's a lot going on in this country, but we're still America. There's still hope. You got that right. Good stuff. I, and, and I'll have the website on in my show notes. Uh, I'll have all the, that link there. But uh, Dr. Okay. Grayson, if someone wanted to connect further with you, where would you send yes. them? Okay, so let me give my phone number. So the phone number is 718-481-3360. So 718-481-3363. So if you have a credit problem, you need some money, you're a small business, you need direction, you know, we work with municipalities. We work with a lot of politicians. Maybe you're listening to the show, you're a mayor or you're part of city council, and you said, hey, I want to give everybody in my city perfect credit. We actually have a plan for that. We just got, right before coronavirus, we got a proclamation from the mayor's office for a program we did in Mount, for the city of Mount Vernon to raise the aggregate credit scores. So call me up. If you have a church and you want to give every single person in your church perfect credit, we have a, a program to do that for you. So you call my number 718-481-3363 and we, we got operators standing by to help you. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll have that in the show notes as well. And uh, I got last two questions for you. And they're just a, a little different, some questions that I thought fit well with being able to have a chance to talk with you. Okay. So first one goes like this. If you had the chance to talk with an auditorium filled with brand new teachers who are just beginning yep. their new career, some who may have just gotten married or purchased a new car, maybe thinking about buying a house, what would you share to them about debt management? Well, my philosophy for debt management is always this. You, you, you have to discern when you have a debt problem when you don't have a debt problem. So when you take your paycheck, 20% of your gross revenues, you should be able to save, put into some type of savings investment, some type of retirement investment program. You know, 10% of that money, for me personally, I reserve. So I do 20% for me for retirement, those kinds of things. I use 10% for my tithing offering. So if you're not a Christian, maybe you use it for, you know, donations, whatever altruistic endeavors, you know, that you're involved in. The balance of that money is used to pay my bills. So if I can't use that structure and pay my bills comfortably, then I have a debt problem. So if you can't pay yourself 20%, pay God, 10%, whatever the balance is, if you can't pay your bills, you have a debt problem. So at that point, now I need to start looking at, in the industry, it's called a debt filter. 
So a debt filter is a government program that allows you, helps you reduce your debt. So the government cancels a lot of debts or help you modify your debt. So you should be contacting your creditor saying, hey, I need to modify my payment arrangement or reduce my interest rate so that now you can bring your payment cap within tolerance so that you can live a prosperous life. So if you can pay yourself 20%, pay 10% to your altruistic endeavors and pay your other bills out of the balance, you are what we would categorize as prosperous. And that is our, our, our recipe for prosperity. Awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Advice. Great, great advice. Uh, you know, last question. When things get difficult or there are too many issues all coming at once and you, you want to quit, how do you overcome those feelings and keep going? It, it's tough because debt and credit, you know, I, I was looking at a survey that said that uh, 60% of marriages fail because of finance related issues. So debt, and bad credit is overwhelming to the average person. So that's why I'm gonna encourage folks, if you're in that position, call, you gotta call an expert, call an expert. And that, it, it becomes even more frustrating. You already got bad credit, you're broke, you need money for this and that, and now you gotta try and figure out this confusing debt and credit system, it will drive you insane, okay? So at that point, it's time, you have to engage you know, if you go on the website and you Google Dr. Michael, if you go on Google, put in Dr. Michael C. Grayson, there was a wonderful testimony from a, a very serious football player, Leonard Marshall. So Leonard Marshall is a two-time uh, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he's a multimillionaire. He was a professor, you know, and he said, you know, there's a couple things that I have in my life. I have a good attorney. I got a good accountant and I got a good credit guy. <laughs> I would recommend that to everybody. You need a good accountant, you need a good lawyer, and you need a good credit guy. Most people don't have a good credit guy. How are you expecting to be prosperous in America and you don't have a good credit guy? You know, my clients, you know, we get them to 800, but things happen. If, they, if their credit drops 10 points, they're calling my office. They got a credit guy. I know a guy, you know, it, that is how it is. You know, we have never, next month will be the first time we've advertised. We've been in business 20 years, all through referrals. You know, over tens of thousands of clients we've had all came from referrals. We never advertised. So everybody said, hey, I got a credit guy. So it was funny. One of my clients was in uh, Atlanta meeting with a banker and they were talking about his loan and he mentioned something about credit. And the guy was like, hold on a second. I got a great credit guy for you. And the guy was like, no, nah, no, nah, keep your credit guy. I'm the best credit guy in the country. The guy said, no, nah, he can't hold a kid for my guy. My guy's the best guy in the country. And they started arguing, right? They were both talking about me. Nice, nice. That's funny. That, <laughs> he had me rolling with that. So, yeah, get a credit guy in your life. Yes, sir. Excellent. So, Dr. Grayson, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's important for people to understand credit scores, debt, and finances, and uh, you know, the current worldwide situation could put someone into such dire straits. I mean, if you've provide, you have provided pertinent information that will help keep people from losing control of the world, and I thank you. I wish you the best well, in all you do. I appreciate you, man. You, you keep the hope alive because we really need it. Keep up doing the good work. Anytime you need me, I'm there for you. Have a good day. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, 
Your voice is right here. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.